COVID affecting sport again. It's the new norm as the AFL tries to scramble. The NRL already has, and this is the Love Sport Podcast. So Paul, John and Pete will uh, navigate the Euros. We'll talk about the AFL and the NRL. We'll do everything we can and uh, play some really bad music as well. Yes, this is the Love Sport Podcast, not a bad uh, music show. Welcome to another week of Love Sport Podcasting with fabulous hosts uh, John and Pete and myself, Paul. How are you, boys? Yeah, super well. Thank you very much. Uh, having fun working in the home office and trying to keep some form of sanity, but uh, luckily I did manage to get outside yesterday, kick a football around and uh, get some fresh air, blocking out part of my day to... Uh, claim that I'm having meetings by going for a well-being walk. But uh, apart from that, we're doing well. We're doing well. And for those who don't know, Pete is a, and they should know, he's a fantastic coach. So being uh, locked indoors is even harder. And what about you, John? Mate, I'm great. I've got a, I've had a huge week back at school, first week back. And uh, we've got a road trip planned tomorrow from the Gold Coast to Toowoomba. And I, I'm actually, um, for our girls rugby team, and I'm, I'm actually just like on, um, you know, I'll watch out to see if we can actually do it. Um, and but two, it's like, it's more like, gee, I'm scared for us to go in case we get caught up there now. You know that sort of vibe. Um, I think the world's, I think the world's feeling that. And uh, nice and cold out there for your team tomorrow night, mate. So I hope everyone's got some uh, essential oils and everything, or match day oils to keep warm. Don't know if we'll be. I, look, it's not my job to provide oils to my girls' sports team, so. I'll let them deal with that. But um, I am hoping that it's a – look, I like playing up. But if you've ever been to Toowoomba, it's a beautiful city. Um, and I really like country sports um, people. They're so committed. We've been up there a few times. They um, they do us a, a nice um, feed for the girls. They really look after us. And then they basically try to bash us up, which is good. Pete, I'm not sure if you've um, been to Toowoomba, but it's absolutely gorgeous up the range. Uh, very historical old town. Well, I wouldn't even call it a town. It's a big kind of mini city there, uh, but it's gorgeous. Uh, Louis, it's definitely on my list of places that I will end up road tripping up towards at some point uh, soon. So I've got a few little towns that I want to hit up on the way up and uh, a way around. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to uh, a bit of an adventure at some point. Well, let's, uh, let's put John out of his misery mm-hmm. and let's talk, the, let's talk the Euros and knock it off early in the night. Um, we might start with your point of view, John, and then Pete and I, semi-neutrals, will come over the top. With the final? Well, with the, with the tournament as a whole, and obviously the final was a disappointment for you, but the tournament as a whole? One of my takeaways is that I, I, it's the most fun I've had watching football for a long, long time, and I've told you this specifically because I, I've never had a great deal of change from my team that I follow. It's always been bad news or nearly news. Um, and the international teams I go for, which is basically England, Australia, and um, one of the two islands, whichever one's going okay, they don't do anything outrageous. So to, to, to actually watch a team I feel develop through like a, a you know, a five-year period um, has been fun. And, um I think that they gave great value to all their fans. Look, 
I think if you want to trawl through social media or through podcasts or through anywhere, you're going to find people who are going to be queuing up to give their two cents worth. Um, uh, and usually it's negative Nellies. Um, very few of them are, have ever handed in a CV to coach or play or do anything like that. They just sit around <laughs> moaning. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the England team. I thought that some of the criticism of England in the final was unwarranted. I thought that one of the things that, that um, Gareth did was that he changed the shape um, in different games and he was flexible with his players. Just because he doesn't play the players that you like as a fan at an international level, to me, doesn't mean that, one, he's an idiot, or two, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, yeah. I was super happy with the team. I'm going to walk away rather than being upset, being happy. Because, uh, yeah. you know, they did something I haven't seen before. And much like the Croatia game, like, us, you know, when we spoke about that previously, for most of the game, England was in control. Now, if Italy go and sit back on a 1 0 lead and hold, people say, oh, my God, that's just such intelligent football, you know? In, if England do it, it's like, oh, it's not football. I really hate that kind of speak. Now, anyway, yeah. I know that you can say what you want about different stuff, but I will say this and I want to get other people, you, you guys' point of view. I'm convinced that Harry Kane is the best striker in England. He's also the best creative midfielder they've got. And I think if you can go into the next tournament and play with a big body in the middle of the box and drop Harry Kane back into whatever they call that false nine role, he's the most creative midfielder in the, in uh, just about in Europe at the moment. I'll leave it at that. How's that mm. sound? Pete, I'll let, I'll let you go there first, mate. Yeah, so I'll, I'll jump in with a, a concept which it could bite me in the bum at some point in the future. So feel free to audio grab this at any time. So <laughs> a, a good coach is someone who sets out a game plan and knows how to stick to that game plan. But a great coach is someone who's willing to change a game plan seven minutes into a fixture to be able to modify and adapt based on whatever challenge is ahead of them. And I think that that's exactly what was the difference between the likes of uh, Roberto Mancini and Gareth Southgate. Southgate had a decent game plan, but it took too long to adapt and change and modify it. Roberto Mancini, on the other hand, you know, pretty early on, obviously they went behind. Luke Shaw at the back post, fantastic strike, brilliant Great goal. him. But Mancini was more willing to take risks and he was more willing to change things on the fly. And that hybrid formation changes and the shifts and the development between Basically, the, the central defensive partnership, mate, sensational. But it was a real masterclass from Mancini to show how adaptable they were willing to be and how um, how willing they were to take risks. But at the same time, every player looked like they were having fun in that final. England players, they looked like they were still stressed, that they were still trying to go through a motion that – they didn't look as comfortable as the Italians did. So from that perspective, geez, um, Italy just mind-blowing. Uh, they're fantastic. They, they really are a sensational team. And the fact that they've gone, um, what is it, since 2018 without a loss now, um, that's what, 33 games. That, that It's just a, a magnificent record that Mancini has developed with this side that, to be fair, when he picked up this Italian squad, they hadn't qualified for a World Cup and there were zero hopes on this squad. 
So he's been able to develop them over a period of time and create this real masterpiece. Don't you think I, that? Oh, sorry, hmm. Paul. Like, what, what, and I and I and I I totally hear what you're saying. That um, I said to many people at the time when Italy didn't qualify for the World Cup, I said, "Look out! They win the next tournament they play," hmm. because that's the that the the teams at the very 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 top table and the cultures and all that. They do that, and I, and I don't know how stressed. I didn't actually pick up on England being a super stressed team during the. Now I would have ideally, you know what? I tell you what, I wouldn't have minded seeing England drop back to a five-five none. Yep, um, exactly. In right. the last twenty minutes, um, and I, I would say that they were literally millimeters away. I thought that Pickford made an incredible save that led to the uh, goal by. Um, Benucci, um, and he was very unlucky the way that, that came back and couldn't have gone any better for him to – the only way that dude's going to score is got to come straight back in his foot. Um, and then I also think that if Rashford's goal goes in off the post rather than bouncing out on the penalty shootout, I think England wins that, wins that title. And so it's, to me, it's, it really is it's a game of millimetres. And Mancini's a great coach, and I – I take my hat off to the guy who's won titles, not at Barcelona and Man. You know, well, I was we done at Man City, but when he did it at Man City, they'd never won anything. Um, and he's been played for Sam too. He's a great manager, and I think that I think that Southgate's developing into that into that role. Um, yeah, they play with no fear. Um, I think they're part of their coach. If they had any coach, they probably don't do what they're doing. But I, I'm sort of going around circles. I I'm actually trying to not, you know, make it, you know, every time a team loses, we have to go into myopic about, um, I, I think there was literally millimetres, the difference between winning and losing. I agree. I think it, it actually, for the sake of using time as our reference, I think it came down to really minutes. And the fact that substitutes for me were made at probably a really interesting time when you want to make a sub who you know he's going to be a penalty taker, they're already nervous as, as heck. So you, you kind of want to bring them into the game so at least they've had a few moments of running around to get rid of the adrenaline, to get rid of whatever the nerves are that are shaking through and to kind of settle in for a few seconds at least. So it, it comes down to a timing moment. And you can see, I guess, the timing of... The Italian subs, for me, they were much more strategic. Uh, we see, you know, substitutions coming in. Uh, we had it as, um, where was it? Um, when um, Beredacci came in, when um, Ferenzi came in, it, it was kind of, it gave these players, a, like I say, an opportunity to kind of settle into the game. Even the fact that, um, when um, Alexandro Forenzi came in, it was 118th minute. So he at least mm. had a minute and a half on the pitch to settle in. Now, we could obviously talk about the fact that Jorginho should have been sent off. Um, and, and, and he should have been. That's a game changer right there. 100% that's a send-off. There's no doubt in the world that's a send-off. It's amazing how hardly got spoken about. No, I agree with that. Look, uh, I'll go a bit more... A little bit different to both. Mind you, we right? missed. So let's give let's give some props to Pickford because um, 
you know, when Donnarumma, or as is now the sort of quaint inside football um, terms way of pronouncing it, Donnarumma, I don't know which one it is, was was pronounced player of the tournament. I actually didn't think he was the best goalkeeper in the tournament. I thought Pickford actually was. And I'm not trying to be in rose-coloured glasses, but, I mean, Pickford Pickford did enough to win that penalty shootout. Um, and and I thought he was outstanding for the whole tournament. I don't actually yeah. think he was the... I don't, there's no way John Rimmer's a player of the tournament. Well, look, in, in that final... Um, it would have been one of the Italian my, midfielders. Well, from my perspective, I, I'll jump in. Sorry, guys. I, I think that England... I do think England, forget the penalties, I think England did bottle it by not being two or three up in the first half. I thought they were... I feel a little bit different to you, Pete. I think England absolutely bossed Italy. And I thought Italy looked absolutely rattled for the first half an hour of that um, of that final, in my mind. Um, and I just don't think England put them away. And we all know football. You know, two great teams, the two best teams in the tournament. And it was a fabulous tournament. Um, and penalty shootouts, cruel for anyone. Um, we won't touch on too much of the aftermath because people want to do that. But I will say that um, the Australian press, you know, Channel 7, and I'll say it, Channel 7 put this up, putting three black players missed penalties as a headline. I'm not sure if you guys saw that, but they actually put that. Three black players missed penalties. What kind of... That, I mean, that's pretty stupid. I mean, whoever did that, whoever put the headline up is stupid. But the rest of it, it was just a fantastic tournament. If they had think, scored the penalties and they put that headline up, do you think anyone would have batted an eyelid? I don't think you need to bring colour into good or bad, you know. I, no, neither I know do it, I, but I'm just saying it's just an observation. No, no, but, I mean, it was just a stupid thing in our in whether a current climate or not. They, they shouldn't have put it put up. up. It's bullshit. Oh, pardon me. I'm sorry. Look, to me, and I spoke to several people, and I'm going to be honest about this, I spoke to several people in the aftermath of the game, <laughs> and we spoke about the penalties and all that. You know, we, we talked about the age of the players. We talked about the situation. We talked about the timing of the substitutions. We talked about the order the penalties were taken in. We talked about how they hit them. We talked about whether they were lucky or unlucky, whether they could have done this and that. I never thought about the colour of the players taking the penalties until nah. there was a headline the next day. I thought of the age. I thought of the age of the players. Yeah. And, and there was there was pundits out there, and Jack Grealish has responded to this. There are pundits out there who basically called players like Jack Grealish cowards for not taking penalties. Um, but both He didn't Grealish have a and, choice. He, he put his hand up. And, Grealish, yeah. uh, and Southgate said, no, this is my order. I've, I've had this order set. And so, you know, it, you See, win the penalty big- shoot. So I was just about to say, you win the penalty shootout, it's heroic. It's a penalty yeah. shootout. Anyone can win or lose one. Through the prism of hindsight, everyone looks like Nostra, Everyone looks like uh, um, Einstein, don't they? You know, <laughs> yeah. England. I mean, I, one of the most amazing um, things that I... I was, I was in the um, car dropping Hannah off when the Italy-Spain... When the Italy-Spain shootout was, I was just on BBC Five Live. And, you know, you always think, oh, England, my God, we're the worst at penalty shootouts. But, yeah, historically, Italy's been right there with us. Yep. By the way, and Italy was the first team in history to win two penalty shootouts in a European finals. Yeah. Wow. Well, but they've historically yours... been terrible. But, the, like, like it, you sort of think, oh, through the, through, through the benefit of hindsight, I'll say this and that. Like, I made an argument after the game to say that when one of my mates was saying they're too young, they shouldn't have been taking them. Uh, who's going to run their careers? I said, 
how many times have we been told that this England team carries no scars from previous losses? And the with the you know the um the 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 effervescence of youth that they should get through. You know, like do you give them a chance to do it, or do you keep them on the bench and say no, you can't get out there? It's it is it's purely and totally decided by whether they win or lose in the penalty shootout. And well, everyone's got a yeah. everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth, like Mike Tyson exactly said. Right. And they had a plan, they set it out, they worked on it, uh, and they had their ideas about who was going to do it and who wasn't. And you know what? It worked until Rashford slightly fluffed his shot against the post and it went to the wrong side. If that goes in, I guarantee England win that shootout. Yeah, and and look, the the other thing is, um, my old man said it and many, many other people say it, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And I think that's a good philosophy. And it's not going to ruin their careers. They're 19. They're going to forget about it tomorrow. Right, they're not going to forget about missing, but they're going to, you know, they're going to start their Premier League seasons and they're going to forget it. It's not going to destroy their careers. That's ridiculous. Look at Roberto Baggio. He did miss a penalty and was remembered for that, but he was a lot older, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, let Pete speak about that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, he was. And the thing is, look, Karen Carney spoke about this in the post-match interviews uh, and about the fact that missing penalties stays with you forever. And, and it's true, it does. And it, it's it's a funny thing, but, you know, I reflect upon the fact that even at a grassroots level, I still have vivid memories of a penalty shootout playing out at the backfields at Marconi Stadium in my stupid all-age sixes <laughs> final <laughs> like four or five years ago and the fact that I skied one over the bar and I was the third penalty taker. I can memorize that exact moment. Now, I really remember a whole lot about games that I played, but you, mm. those moments stick with you. And Karen Carney spoke about that, about the fact that when she's been playing in the FAWSL previously, she's missed penalties that have cost them championships, have cost mm-hmm. Cup games and those moments do stick with you. So, I guess it's something that will haunt these players. But at the same time, it's now a matter of creating more positive experiences. And you know, something that a huge positive coming out of this, Bakaya Saka, one of the 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 penalty take from the fifth kicker, like he's already picked up close to 2 million new followers on Instagram. Like, he's finding new supporters. Marcus yep. Rashford, um, he, he had his mural um, graffitied upon, and, and now it's been fixed. It's now, it's now become like this mural of support. Um, the fact that, you know, so many supporters, there are so many positive influences that it, it's – it's this classic human trait that we look for the one single negative and we kind of focus down on that rather than focus on the hundreds of positives around us. And it's, it truly it's, feels it's to such me like a that human would... Yeah, it's such a human yeah. trait. Everything to do in sport. So last night I'm, I'm at the Origin game and, you know, whatever, and I, and I didn't get a chance to see the wrap-ups on the paper. I, I got on the phone this morning and the headline on on – News, of course, is you know, New South Wales origin fury, origin fast. So it's like, you know what? Like it, they're only paid to write. And then you open the story and you go, 
is that it? I mean, I was at the game and I was thinking somebody must have, you know, unloaded like, you know, a half a kilo of like excrement on the field for the way they're talking. And but the, like, pro- the problem that being, wasn't mate, it, the game didn't wasn't like the game was epic to be at, you know. Exactly right. And and the problem being is the people who write the headlines aren't the people who write the story. If you if you, you the bylines uh, they're there for clickbait. But uh look a fantastic tournament. We'll move on from that. Um want to touch on Wimbledon now, guys. Um unbelievable effort by Ash Barty uh and Dylan Orcott, but I want to focus on Ash Barty. She was almost not going to play the tournament, and she's not someone who says that kind of thing. Um, I just think it was an absolutely fabulous tournament for her. She was very, you know, really grateful to her support cast, her family. Um, she was very gracious to the Woozer, and I think she would have been gracious if that girl had beaten her as well. I just think she's an absolute credit to herself. Mate, Ash Barty, absolute delight, and and. The the sheer humility from herself as, as an athlete, the just the mindset that she brings into her games, and, and the fact that she's she's just this authentic human being who's going through things. We don't have this kind of plastic or this egotistical approach from her. She's she just comes out in the pre-game um, events saying, yeah, you know what, when I was a kid, I dreamt of playing at Wimbledon. And you see pictures as a little kid of her holding tro- uh, trophies as a tennis kid on the court saying, yeah, you know what, one day I want to play at Wimbledon. And, and it, she's just so sensational as an athlete. And she's someone that, you know, as as us working with next generation, whether us as teachers, us as coaches, whether it's us working, you know, with a daughter or someone that we know, a cousin or whatever, this is someone that we can say, look at Ash Barty. This is such a humble human being who is at her absolute peak of her game. And if anything, she could get even better as a tennis player. But just what a person. The fact that she's just so open and welcoming and that community spirit and the fact that, you know, even in the post-game interview, when they said, how, how did you celebrate? She goes, well, I walked off the court and I had a beard. Yes. Like, that's just who she is. It's it's amazing. I love this person. And uh, look, I think it's got a fair bit to do with, you know, having a good family. She was, you know, she was born in Ipswich. Um, I, I think that's got a lot to do with her. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if there's many more humble sports people in the world that have done what she's done. And I think she's now won over 20 odd million dollars. You You wouldn't know it, would you? You wouldn't know that no. she's won all that money. And, yeah, I think she'll be the same person regardless. I hear that kind of emotion coming out of Pete, and I feel exactly the same way. I, I'll just leave it on this. I mean, she makes me proud to be Australian. 100%. There's not many people that make you feel that way in any mm. nation at the moment. So congratulations, Ash. Um, just unbelievable. And, you know, I, I'm I'm proud that I've even got to meet her in my life Um in my previous previous workplaces, but uh, yeah, credit credit to herself and her family for sure. Uh, well done, Dylan Orcott as well. Um, winning, you know, he's just yeah, just one of those guys and really positive as well. Um, I don't know, Pete, if you've caught up with this, and and John, I sent you a couple of things last night, but we wonder sometimes why football is in such I won't say trouble, but why it's 
never been what one of the major sports for participation it has been in terms of fan support. God, I'm coming out with the wrong thing here. But we wonder why football is so fragmented. Um, not sure if you've heard what happened with football Queensland and football Brisbane, Pete, at all in the last... <laughs> uh, the conflict between uh, media releases. Um, that was definitely an interesting argument between two governing bodies. Um, with, you know, football Brisbane coming out with their release and then football Queensland saying that you're no longer a recognised governing body and basically just overruling them. This was a very, very interesting uh, set of press releases that came out by Football Queensland over the coming last few days? Well, look, I don't want to get sued, but I do know that there are... Uh... <laughs> I think we say that every week, don't we? Yeah, we do, we do. Uh, I believe from things that have been reported, my understanding is the CEO's on over 300 dollars Um So I put my hands up last night, or my hand up oh, last Football night. Brisbane? Well, Football Queensland has disbanded Football Brisbane they, 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 yeah, but who's on three hundred grand? Three hundred or grand, the CEO of Football Queensland. Geez, that's good money. So it's almost up there with the Premier. Uh, a lot of people will say that, and um, if I'm wrong, I'd be extremely surprised because I've read a fair bit. We won't go on about it, but Football Brisbane actually announced the suspension of matches. Football Queensland came and said, "No, you don't actually control anything anymore," and people are wondering why, as part of their fee structure. They're paying a component for Football Brisbane. If Football Brisbane's not even recognised by Football Queensland anymore, and um, it's just been an absolute, it's been a dog's breakfast, and and I think we could say it's probably been replicated around the country over the last few decades. Lockdown might be the best thing for them. It's just, it's just, uh, mate. I, we all love our local football. But something's got to give. I put my hand up last night. I said I'll do the job for one hundred and fifty thousand. Um, got a bit of su- got a bit of support there. Oh, well done, my friend. But uh, we'll see what comes to that. I'll I'll take the one fifty. Uh, it's that that sort of governance model is uh, just doomed for failure, isn't it? Like, and 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 it keeps on. It's a self perpetuating story. Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. uh, the number of kids I know who play, you know, um, football and rugby league slash rugby union slash AFL, right? Yep. And when you get to 14, 15, the boys and go, actually, it's the girls now as well, and go, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to dump the football and just go and play league union or AFL. Yep. Um, it does happen. Um, 100%. And it's interesting because, yeah, but um, I don't know if that sort of stuff really gets to anyone. It just It just means that they can't. They just can't get the outcomes you want, the the structures you want. But for three hundred grand, what are you getting paid more than most players in the NRL? Because I think the average contract is two hundred sixty thousand a year. That's not yeah. bad. Oh look, I just think when people are paying huge amounts for fees, that kind of income. And sorry if I get sued here. That uh, reported or purported uh, income, I think it's three hundred fifty thousand, seems insane. It. it, it Seems insane. Well, one of the things that I always hear from um, parents is the cost of actually, you know, uh, registering. Yep. Which, in the same context in New South Wales, is about to go up with the the boys' youth league competitions in the New South Wales NPL competition. This um, cap for registration fee is set to be at, uh, I was reading this earlier on, uh, $2,850. 
So, um, do, look, if anyone they, needs to remortgage their house... Do um, they give you gold-plated studs? Do, do you get gold it's mouth just, guards? Oh, just, what it, the it is, fudge? Yeah. Um, but, look, to avoid any of the um, lawyers coming upon us and us finding <laughs> our own sequel, uh, legal help, um, what we'll do is I'll actually bring up the question where you mentioned earlier on that there is that huge disconnect between, you know, the junior participation and the support for the elite football. And I guess the biggest thing is the fact that we, we have to bring up this question of what is elite sport? Is it yeah. a development program or is it purely for entertainment? Now, for too many people, they think it's a development program, which it isn't because you can only develop if there is actually a true promotion relegation model to be able to get in. Now, we have to consider the fact that it is purely entertainment because there's a set number of teams. Now, this goes for NRL, this goes for Union, this goes for uh, the A-League as well, this goes for the W-League. There's a set number of teams, so it has to be purely for entertainment and therefore you have to review, are these sports providing the amount of entertainment that us as consumers are demanding? And to be fair, the answer is no that it's not an entertainment sport. Now, luckily, in a way, or unfortunate for me, I'm actually finding out a whole lot of news about what different governing bodies uh, are wanting to implement in terms of how they want to bring technology into sport into the future with, you know, augmented uh, reality concepts with different apps they want to bring in. And I think it's actually going in the direction of how do you create kind of a, a... a video game version of what's happening in front of you, which wow. is a awful direction from my yep. perspective, because if anything, we should be talking about the product that's in front of us, not the product that is blocking what is in front of us, which is technically technology. 100%. Well, we are going to have a break in a moment. Um, we'll have a much quicker second half as we normally do. Um, I'll just get legal aid on the phone in the break, by the way. <laughs> too, yeah, too easy, I think we should. Uh, we're Before we go to our break, break, what would my skin What would my skin in Fortnite be worth? I saw LeBron's was worth, um, you know, uh, about $5 million. Um, what would my skin in Fortnite be worth? $7.20. That's some good buy, and I w- I'd get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. $7.20, I reckon. Uh, guys, uh, just to get a bit of uh, lightness here, this one's for you, Pete, and I'll uh, throw one out to you, John. Keep, kick, or cuddle. Pete, this one's for you. Slazinger, Deodora, Vila. Oh, hello. Yeah. This is sensational. Okay. Um, so... Uh, Fila is kind of your uh, really interesting retro brand that you know got a lot of love for, but at the same time is you know that that ten dollar off the shelf at the local shops kind of style. So <laughs> tell you what, it's a really interesting one. I'll probably end up kicking that one. Um, Slassinger, mate, just I think that's where every kid picks up a, a Slassinger tennis racket or a yep. Slassinger ball <laughs> or a Slassinger shirt. That's like your first shirt cricket you bat. wear at a training yep. session. A cricket bat, mate, keep that so much. Absolutely keep that. And then Deodora, mate, um, a, another brand that is a massive throwback as a young kid 
just I think Theodora was like one of my first pair of boots. Was yep. like um, I had a, a lotto pair that I was allowed to wear on game day, and then I had like a training pair that I was allowed to wear. So I'll tell you what, they they need a bit of a cuddle. I love it, love it, uh, John. One for you, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. Rowdy Roddy Piper, Macho Man Randy Savage. Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Macho Man Randy Savage. Just to take you back to that previous thing that Slazenger and who was it? Slazenger and Deodora. Who's the third? Fila. Slazenger, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Slazenger. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say they're all owned by Mike Ash, but they're not because Deodora's not. Um, I'll go with. Um, Deodora's oh. added our sign now, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Um, Mike Ash only buys cheap brands, so he's definitely got Slazenger as part of Dunlop. <laughs> he owns that. So he owns all the KT26s and Everlast. All right, so who we got? Randy Macho Man? Yep, the Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. None of them are my favourite wrestlers. I, I'll, yep. keep, I'll keep um, Hulk Hogan because he's wrestling. I will cuddle Rowdy Roddy Piper. Because he's just awesome. I should have probably flicked him because of the whole. I've been on an anti-Scottish thing for a while now, but <laughs> I like Rowdy Roddy Piper, um, and the, the the Macho Man Savage can just disappear. Actually, I love the Macho Man. Actually, get bugger that. Rowdy Roddy Piper's out. <laughs> the Macho Man's in because I, I actually like the Macho Man commentating oh, on NFL yeah. games. <laughs> he's a good NFL commentator, believe it or not. I did not know that. Mm. Well, Rowdy and Roddy and Piper was—was Cal- was, was he a governor of California as well? Like, uh, I don't think so. Didn't he get into California. politics? I think he Detroit did. He or wasn't something. No, are you thinking? Um, no, I didn't think he was in politics. I thought it was the other wrestler about that same vintage. But maybe I'm wrong. Rowdy Roddy, Roddy Piper did one of the great sci-fi underrated movies of all time. They live. So uh, there you go. Anyway. I don't like movies second, or sci-fi, really, so it doesn't matter. Second half coming up. We'll try and make it a bit more succinct for you, keep it a bit lighter. We've got a bit dark tonight. And, uh, guys, we'll come back to you in a moment. Just a break in the uh, podcast to tell you about a couple of other initiatives we've got. Change Rooms for Change, which looks at what clubs can do uh, with their change rooms and volunteers to help those in need in the community. So it's just a source on Twitter and Facebook, Change Rooms for Change, to help people uh, get empowered and make sure their clubs are telling people what they can do. And also Three Mates Can, Three Mates Can on Twitter and Facebook, and that's helping men call each other out and treat women with more respect. Change Rooms for Change and Three Mate Can. These are initiatives of the Love Sport Podcast. Of the Love Sport podcast, we got a bit deep and dark, and uh, hopefully you guys are still with us. Uh, so we'll start off with a couple of yes no's. So mm, let's go. This one's for you. This one's for you, John. Just because I want to see where you're going with this one. Can this now? It's yes no. That's all it is. I know. I know. Soccer, I get it. Can the soccer? The words once again. Can the Socceroos go further than England at the next World Cup? No. Pete, one for you. Will the NRL and AFL seasons be cut short? No. Okay. Uh, Happy for both of you to answer this at the same time. So I'll count you in on it. Will Ange last three or more years at Celtic? Uh, 
Yes. <laughs> I should have counted you in. Oh, sorry, man. I, I didn't know. <laughs> my what bad. Was. It's my bad. Okay, we got two yeses. I'm happy with that. So, okay, guys. Um, I have to be a bit selfish at the moment. Uh, COVID has affected the codes, as we've said, and uh, Richmond uh, will be playing Brisbane at the Gold Coast tomorrow night. So members of both clubs will be able to get tickets in the morning. So for a lot of people um, that are going to whinge about, I can't get there because of work or playing rugby in Toowoomba and those different things. Hey, we're lucky to even have, we're lucky to have any football at all, right? Um, But I am super, super excited. I expect Brisbane to win, but something I didn't think I was going to be able to do. One of Richmond's greatest ever players, Jack Rewalt, 700 goals. Um, He's just been an absolute mainstay of our club. Uh, He's playing his 300th game tomorrow night. So I'm privileged enough to be able to go and see. I don't care. I've got to be honest with you. We've had a rotten season. um, But to get to see one of your players in a milestone game, is uh, I'm pretty excited. So if I could just bear with me a moment. 700 goals, as we said. Three-time Premiership player. He's won the Coleman medal three times. Three times All-Australian. Two times Jack Dyer medalist. Uh, Ten times... He's won the Michael Roach medal, which is Richmond's goal kicking. He's been our vice uh, captain in the premiership years and Tasmanian Hall of Fame. And by the time, I mean, he's an AFL Hall of Famer right now. I I just remember this guy was vilified by our supporters because our supporters are the best and the worst. And um, he was absolutely smacked around by our supporters for years. And he'd have to be one of the very best forwards we've seen in the last couple of decades. I know he's not Lance Franklin and he's not going to kick a thousand, but this guy, uh, he doesn't just kick goals. He sets goals up for our team nonstop. Um, I'll just throw it to you guys about Jack Rewalt, if you want to say anything there at all. Well, you, you said it all, to be fair, an absolute legend of the game and uh, blessed to be able to see him um, work his magic. And, uh, you know, it's one of these classic stories of I'm never a huge fan when it comes to um, older players on the field who take time away from youngsters. But he's the type of guy who brings others into games and yeah. that it's not all about him. It's not about his personal accolades. He's actually about this team and it just is fortuitous that he's able to be in such a position that he's had so many points on the board, that he's been such a figurehead at the club, that it's... It's, again, it's about the environment he's in and not about him. And uh, that's that's really well said. Uh, you got any uh, anything there, John? I know you've always been a, um, you've been a, you know, a fair commentator and you've had thoughts about Jack as well. Well, I couldn't agree more with what um, Pete and you said. I, I actually think he's one of the, the great players of the AFL in the last 20 years. I think that, when you're writing the story of the Richmond dynasty, I think it probably, okay, you've got, um, you know, you've got the, what's it, Brendan Gale. I think a lot of the Richmond dynasty, the early start starts with him. Um, yeah. And I think he's been a, an amazing player for you guys. And 300 games, he thoroughly deserves that. I do hope, and I've said this in a couple of times in the last couple of months, that they don't trade him to someone else. I think he's yeah. a great player, and I've got the utmost admiration for him. I hate him a lot, um, but I think he's one of the absolute great players. 
And I actually think he seems like a pretty decent guy too. So um, I like Isn't the it... fact, like Pete says, he's a decent, he's a great team guy. And I like that a lot. For me, um, I'll just, I'll probably sum up just in this one bit of play and I'll, I'll put it on the podcast. 2019 preliminary final against Geelong. We're in a fair bit of trouble as Richmond usually is in, in finals at one stage. And the commentators didn't even pick up on this, right? Ball comes in early in the uh, third quarter when we're down by 20-odd points. Jack Rewalt has two defenders go towards him. He doesn't even go for the mark, and he taps it on. And I think Dusty or someone else runs into an open goal, and that sets us on fire, right? Even the commentators didn't pick up that Jack didn't go for the mark. He just tapped it over his head uh, to someone running into goal. And I reckon that sums up Jack Rewalt's last five or six years perfectly. Um, I don't know. There's there's a certain players. He's not my favourite Richmond player ever, but he is heart and soul. So thanks for uh, indulging me there, guys. I do appreciate it because um, these milestones don't come often, do they? To get to see one of your great players uh, in the flesh for a milestone game. Right. Enough of my indulgence on myself. Most embarrassing moment. I just, you might need to reflect on this. What's your most embarrassing moment either playing or watching sport live for you as an individual? Jeez. Oh, wow. That is a really interesting one. Um, so I don't mean... I do, have, I, do have, I, do have, I do have a moment between me and a very good friend of mine and it was a Brisbane Lions Collingwood Grand Final. And we're very, very close. And he was at the game and he's that sort of guy who says, I'll pick up the posters, we'll do this. And I couldn't go because things came up and and Alliance won and, and I got on the phone call. And, and I'd, I'd actually been emboldened in that time by I'd been to like a, a, quite a few AFL games around the country. And I'd noticed how particularly um, caustic the AFL fans could be to members of other teams and their supporters. Yeah. And I kind of got into that a little bit. And it's not really me, I don't think. I'm not really an aggressive kind of guy. You know me pretty good. Um, but just after we won that grand final and I got on the phone to him as he walking out the ground and rather than asking him how he was, I kind of gave him a little bit of a, a tirade and it was pretty mean and pretty average. Um, it might have been even the game when Collingwood, um, when the Lions just beat Collingwood in the rain, and Acker had that, uh, you know, that, that the, the game-changing moment. Oh yeah, yep. And um, I wish with all of my being I could take that back because I don't like being that kind of person, and um, that's about as embarrassed. We talk about embarrassment. That embarrasses me. I think about it all the time. Yep. Whenever we were together uh, watching a game, and um, and I'm forever, um, you know, uh, embarrassed by the fact that I had my colours by being that kind of person. How hey, uh, there? How's that? Well, it's big of you to say, and I think that it shows. Doesn't matter how old you are, it shows um, massive maturity, mate. So do you want the exact words shit? that I said? I know exactly what I said, and I wouldn't repeat them. Do you want to shout out an apology first name to the gentleman in question? Rob knows who he is. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> um, Pete, um, yourself, mate? To be fair, I've been racking my brain trying to think of 
stupid moments or instances where I've just truly embarrassed myself. But I don't know. I find like there's just comical moments. Yeah. Just yeah. Moments where I have banter with players on the sidelines, like, uh, or moments where, like, you know, you, you're trying to tease someone and you just enjoy a moment. I don't know. I like, I don't, I'm more than happy to embarrass myself at times. I'm more than happy to be the vulnerable person. I, like, I don't mind going out outside my comfort zone at times at, yep. at events. I don't know. It's a weird one. I, I can't pinpoint anything in particular that kind of stands out to me. Like, I, I, I've turned up to W League games wearing, you know, Melbourne Victory gear. I've turned up to W League games <laughs> wearing, like, um, Western Sydney Wanderers stuff. Like, I, you I are know. You are a football slut, Pete. Yeah, I, I get around. That's for sure. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's that's a good thing because it, nothing really stands out. I think, for me, probably two moments. One is kicking one goal seven in front of my family in a, in a final, but it wasn't kicking one goal seven. It was carried on like an absolute, yeah, I won't say the words myself, but I carried on like an absolute knob and uh, my grandparents were there and I'll never forget that because I never, ever did that in any kind of sport again. Um, but yeah, I think I kicked one goal seven. Our team won, but I carried on like an absolute, yeah. Uh, the other one is hanging my brother over the balcony of the MCG. Uh, with a couple of friends. He's a North supporter. I was Richmond. They won by 126 points. And I said, if North kick another goal and you give us grief, I'm hanging you over the balcony. And uh, it was caught on camera, me hanging my brother over the, the top stand of the MCG. So that was uh, that was probably one of the embarrassing moments because my family saw that as well. There we go. I'm not apologising to him man. either. <laughs> I'm not apologising to him. He knows what well, he did. He knows I've got to keep. Did. I've got to keep cuddle or, or kick, keep. I don't know what it is, Paul. Yeah, I got one for you. Yep, uh, first, I got one for you. First up, and I've got one for um. I've got I've got another one after that. So let's go. Um, it, the first one is, uh, Paul Green. Yep. Paul Gallon. Yep. Or RuPaul. <laughs> Paul Green. Paul Gallon. Uh, or RuPaul. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to keep uh, Paul Gowan um, because he's copped so much grief over the years, but I think he's proven with his boxing that he, he's a massive heart. And as a coach or a supporter, you could never ask for more than what Paul Gowan gave, Paul Gowan gave you. So um, whilst right. I might have hated when he played against us, absolutely love what he represents. And if there's something I've missed there in his private life, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not going to apologise because I don't know. But he is everything that I would want to be in a sports person, and that is give your all. And I say that to my kids about sport, but I say it to them about school, anything. I just want you to give your biggest effort. Whatever comes of it, fine. Um, I'm going to cuddle Paul Green, even though I kicked him the other week when he was in something here, um, just because I think he's handled himself I'm not his biggest fan, but I think he's handled himself pretty well um, considering what he's copped in the past few months. So I'm going to say... Mm. Oh, and sounds RuPaul, like bad news for RuPaul from what I can hear. Yeah, and, and for no reason. People can pick me out and say whatever they want on this. But, I mean, it's a sporting show. And unless he's got a sporting background I'm not aware of, I'm going to kick him to the curb. 
Well, that was going to make it um, tough for um, Pete because your one, Pete, is um, Lionel Richie, Lionel Messi, <laughs> or Lionel Rose. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks for All that one. night long. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate this one. It's a pretty hot cast. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, now, I personally don't know a great deal about Lionel Rose as a boxer and, you know, much about his background. So, to be fair, I think I'm going to have to instantly go for the cuddle for the sole reason that I can get to know him better. Well, I think now, if you also, if you were to kick him, that's an opportunity it, for you to be cancelled. Correct. Exactly so that makes it right. tough. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so I, th- I, I think the, I think the cuddle is probably the logical choice here. Yeah. Um, now, if I did try and kick Lionel Messi, it'd probably just <laughs> show off against me. So you know, I, I feel like I have to keep him around because I'd rather have him on my side than not have him at all. Um, and then in terms of Lionel Richie, uh, look, I think I can go without his music for a little while. So uh, I'm more than happy to uh, kick Good him. Good answer, I like that. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know just with Lionel Rose and the only reason I got to know him is my dad um, he knows as I've said before he knows more about sport than I've ever kind of known but he, dad said he was just a fantastic boxer I mean in a golden age once again for boxing as well uh, co- copped a fair few losses at the end of his career like a lot of boxers do but fought for a world title and you know was really unlucky but just we had a fabulous um, kind of era in boxing for 20 to 30 years. And, and dad said he was one of the purest boxers. He could move, he could stick a punch, just didn't have a big punch. And that's probably what cost him, um, you know, being a multiple world champion. But uh, yeah, um, I probably would have kicked Messi because can I just say I would have kicked Messi for this reason? I want to see someone like Messi go to a lower club. I want to see him go to a, I don't know, I'd love to see him play for, you know, a, a mid to lower table club and, and just go, you know, I've got all the money in the world. I've got all the fame. I'm going to go play for a bad club and pick him up. I would have yeah. loved to see that. And, and how much would SBS love to hear him going to Besiktas? Oh, just to even say Besiktas. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But, you know, that's I probably for me, I mean – I always want to see one of the great players come and play at a lower level and pick him up. How good's that? I think they don't owe it to anyone. It's their career. It's their life. But I just love on to that see it. on that point though, Paul. I mean, I mean, we've been doing podcasts and radio shows together now for getting close to ten years, right? Yeah. And one of the criticisms that I've always—it's not a criticism. It's an it's an observation, and and why I can't have Messi as the greatest player of all time has been that he hasn't been able to guide some pretty reasonably talented Argentinian teams to ultimate success in a tournament. He just did that. So he's just taken that off the list of things that I can say about him. And he got to a World Cup final. And if I'm going to celebrate England making a Euro final, I have to say the same thing about that. Um, So I take my hat off to him. And I tell you what, he did look happy. He didn't look like he was not part of the team. Uh, he did, but uh, how good's that Argentinian goalkeeper? He's an absolute ripper, isn't he? The Arsenal oh, did he... a good job of letting him walk out. Yeah, who does he play for now? I think Not it's Arsenal. A Villa, I think it's a Villa team. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't know. Uh, 
Emiliano Martinez. Jeez, um, mate, I, I, I just think that's what – I honestly believe that's one of the greatest signings in our club history. To get him for, you know, very little money and, you know. I can tell you from a very well-connected gunner that is something that they are rolling around the floor about at the moment going, how did that happen? But to be fair, he was injured and spent a long time at Arsenal without getting on the field. I'm not bagging. I'm actually not bagging Arsenal. I'm saying what a ripper pickup for us it was. When When you get your defense settled, the rest seems to flow for me in football. Get your defense right, the rest seems to happen. And uh, to have a goalkeeper like that who's just won a Copper America, I'm extremely excited. Um, any uh, any yes, no's or any uh, kick, kick cuddles from you, Pete, uh, putting you on the spot? Uh, I will put this on the whiteboard to, uh, <laughs> to try and uh, create something. And then hopefully by the next time that uh, we jump on a pod, I'll be able to uh, throw one in your direction for once. Anything else coming up in uh, world sport you're excited about right now? I mean, we've got the Premier League coming up soon and a lot of other leagues um, kicking back in. Uh, any any excitement in that regard? Yeah, obviously, it's, it's, it's one of those little low moments in football between, you know, seasons in a way. But it's also one of these obvious times when this is when everyone's making their signings or this is when everyone's trying to make their impacts. And it's also a great time to be able to see a, a number of youngsters um, come yep. through. And, and, you know, it's it's one of those times when, um, um, when younger players or younger uh, academy um, teams get the opportunity to kind of show off who they are and what they can do. So, you know, from, from my own perspective, like, there's, there's a hugely um, highly rated Polish attacking midfielder who mm. plays at Liverpool, uh, a 17-year-old who, who's been included in Liverpool's um, pre-season training squad, uh, a player in terms of being part of that 32-man squad. So Mateusz um, Muzlowski, he's, he's someone who is tainted incredibly incredibly highly from a Polish perspective. Um, It's, you know, he he grew up in Katowice, but he actually played from, like, my local team um, in Wuch. So, you know, there's quite an interesting story with him personally, and it'll be really interesting to see what his future has because, obviously, from a Polish national team perspective, we've relied so heavily on Robert... Lewandowski that yeah. it's, it's about time that there's a new generation of players coming through who, you know, the sum are greater than its individuals. Yeah, great call. Great call. And, and, and John, you've got, to be, you've got to be happy in this regard. Um, mm-hmm. Some of your, your attacking players that came good in the second half of last year, you haven't had a wholesale loss of, of your forwards and everything which you have in previous years. So there must be a fair bit of optimism um, uh, there's still time for Mike Asher to sell everything out. Okay. Uh, well. If he doesn't get the sale, uh, we're talking about, you know, the, um, you know, the the Saudi Arabian yeah. uh, buyout again. It's like, you know, I want some new news. I, I don't even listen to it anymore. It, it just reminds, it makes me think they're trying to make a um, a headline. I've got one more keep, kick or cuddle for Pete. Yep. He's a New Shoot. South Welshman. He's a Sydney guy, right? 
Okay, so I'm talking about bubbles, Pete. Okay, so we've got the NRL um, bubble that's been created in uh, the Gold Coast. That's one. The second is the overall Greater Western Sydney housing bubble because we know it's pretty expensive there. And the third is the Canada Bay bubble tea house where we're expecting to have a lot of super spreading events happen at. So you have to keep, cuddle, or kick oh one God. of those, those three. Good gosh. Um, well, bubble tea on its own is pretty lovely. But then you add on the extra bit of the super spreading event. Ugh. So, you know, if we could avoid that and have bubble tea delivered, then keep bubble tea. Right. So, big fan of that. Uh, so, then we've got this Western Sydney bubble. And the thing is, I've actually got a lot of friends and family who live in that region. And it's just kind of like the suburb over from where I work a lot of the time. So, you know what? That region does need a socially distant cuddle that yep. is acceptable and, you know, one that will give it the love that it needs at the moment. And then, unfortunately, that means that I'm going to end up having to kick this NRL bubble. Well, Jeez, I think someone's uh, at the door. I think John's just... From work at, in, the, um, in the Logan City bubble and probably carrying a bubble tea with no NRL players on her, on her shoulders. Thank God. I was about to say, it's like you're about to get raided for earlier comments in the pod. Yeah, but, was, uh, no, they're still coming for me from the Qatar royal family, I think. Exactly right. Hey, um, I've been really selfish on this pod, but I just want to say this is the first time in probably a decade and a half that I'm excited, super excited to be a Villa supporter. Um, we've just got a new kit out, which has kind of gone a bit old school for us, so I'm pretty excited about that. Our training ground is producing. You were just talking about young players, Pete. We have just signed a whole heap of our young players to long-term professional contracts. So we're actually seeing an academy come through for the first time in years at Villa Park. And, uh, yeah, and they had a brilliant ad the other day. You know one of those like, – they tr- every sporting code tries to do that pull-at-your-heartstrings heart, kind of advert? Yep. The Villa one actually did it. They have a guy just like a normal geezer talking about following Villa and why we do. And uh, it actually got me. For the first this time, a, I, got, I got an emotional. It's a magical kit from Kappa that they've produced for Villa. And again, this is a, a magical ad that, you know, so many teams either do this brilliantly or do this horrifically. And the, the story, the narrative behind it is brilliant. And the fact that it's advertising both the men's team and the women's team yep. at the same time, that they're on level playing fields, even better. But then you have, again, this this magical historical design that plenty of teams are kind of reflecting upon. We see Manchester United's new kit. Again, it's that retro design. Um, Ajax Amsterdam, good gosh, yes. if you've not seen theirs, That's it's an it's absolute delight. Um and again, these are teams who are putting both their men's team and their women's teams in all of their ads. The fact that, you know, we are one Villa team. We're, we're there together 
this is just brilliant. Fantastic I'm, work from them and well done, Kappa. I'm really happy to hear you say that because I, I'm obviously biased, but it really got me. I ended up watching the ad like five or six times last night. It is a ripper of an ad. And, and John, just from a non-villa perspective, have a bit of a look at it if you get a chance because it is I'm looking really at it now. well done. It great. And, you know, I think that we had a lot of jersey manufacturer discussions and I think Kappa's one we've slept on a lot. I've got a bunch of um, Roma. I've got a Batistuta um, Roma jersey in my collection and it's a Kappa jersey and I love yep. their stuff. It's just beautiful. Villa supporters hate it. They they literally hate it until this kit came out. And this <laughs> Could be what, You know what? Yeah. You, why don't you sit around and think what would happen if we had Puma? Uh, Richmond's got Puma, and I've actually been quite okay with their stuff, but it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Puma. Uh, yeah. Newcastle's actually got a new manufacturer called uh, – it's got the Castori guys in, and there's a lot of uh, – you know, as always, there's all the, the bad blood on the on the fan chats uh, about about how cheap it is. Yep. And I've looked at it and sort of like, yeah, it looks all right. I just – hate the massive amount of um, advertising with uh, Chinese letters and it's basically just a gambling house. Yep. I'm like, you know what, give me – I want to get it – I want to buy it without that written on it. Did you know that for a while you were able to get the uh, the kits without any of the front advertising on there sold actually by the clubs? And, and mm. I'm really happy to see that they're doing that on the kids' kits. Um, mm. It's reprehensible that they ever had kids' kit uh, kits with uh, adver- uh, gambling advertising on there. Guys, we've had a fairly long show tonight. I don't think there's ever enough time to speak to both of you. You're two of my favourite people in the whole world. Um, John, I think your lines will get up tomorrow night. Um, Pete, I think uh, hopefully, mate, hopefully very soon those numbers drop and you're able to get out. I, I really feel for all you guys. Um, in New South Wales. I forget the border stuff. It's what it's doing to humans and people are losing money. Um, so thoughts and prayers to you and your friends and family, mate. Thank you very much, mate. It's been a whole lot of fun and uh, a good little release to be part of today's pod. So thank you very much, guys. Uh, love you both. Have a, have a great sporting weekend, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. You can get me, Paul, at Paul underscore football, John at Lambic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski. You can also get the Love Sport Podcast at Facebook and Twitter as well. Join in the conversation, send questions through, and we'll go from there. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport Podcast. Well, it's me, and I can't get